we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Don Lamb from Lebanon, Indiana. Don and his family own and operate Lamb Farms. Don credits their success on the farm to their ability to merge technology, resource conservation, and business. Don also serves as a board member of AgriStewards, a mission organization with the goal of teaching sustainable farming techniques, but also to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don, how's it going today? Hey, it's going good. It's been a pretty day here in Indiana, and uh, so we got a little farming done, and, and I can't complain. So it's going going well. Thanks for having me on. Dan, how are things in Parrington? Uh, so far, so good. Just like Don, we've been doing some field work and uh, watching crops grow at the moment. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited, Wade. Uh, I've kind of been a fan of Don's for quite a while on the Facebook side of things, and it's an honor to have him on. That's for sure. Don, why don't you start oh, off yeah. by, uh, by by telling telling us and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm a second generation farmer here in Central Indiana. Uh, we live in a pretty neat spot because we're in a pretty good farm ground just north of Indianapolis. So uh, we really have all the benefits of living in the country where we're at, um, and yet we're only about 30 minutes from from a city that's got uh, lots of action and, and uh, things to do. So. Uh, live in a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice spot. It's not Texas, but it's but it's not, but it's not bad. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so uh, I'm a, a second generation farmer, and I, I I guess I'll start out and say I want to give my dad a lot of credit. My dad grew up in Indianapolis, um, and uh, was not a farm boy. Uh, went to Butler um, to to college, and then uh, went in the military. and And he was in Italy serving in the military, and he he rented a farm through the mail. Um, back here, and uh, and uh, came back and started farming at 26 years old um, from scratch, and and uh, so uh, I give him a lot of credit for uh, for jumping out and doing doing what he wanted to do, and then really giving uh, you know his his kids a chance to to follow in his footsteps. That sounds that sounds very interesting. I couldn't imagine um, having to rent anything. Uh, by mail these days, it's all yeah. done. It's all done in yeah. person or even online now. It's and it's it's quick. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you did you grow up on the farm um, as a young so boy? I grew up. Yeah, I, yeah. I grew up uh, right here on the on the farm and uh, uh, always wanted a farm. Uh, went to Purdue and studied agricultural economics and and I came back. Uh, graduated in 1989. I'm, I'm 53 years old um, uh, and I. Uh, uh, graduated in '89 from Purdue and have been farming uh, ever since. Uh, I married uh, my wife Jody in 1992, and we have four daughters. Uh, one of them is married now. Um, one of them is getting married in, in May, and we don't know if we're going to have a ceremony or not. But she's getting married, and um, and I've got two in college. So my uh, my cash flow situation is is fairly tight without coronavirus going on you and me both that's for sure. i don't have daughters or anything in the in the college but i do know my cash yeah. flow is uh pretty restricted that's for sure <laughs> so don uh 
you you went to college for agri- agricultural economics. Uh, so you really didn't. You grew up at the farm, and you just you just knew you wanted to be a farmer, didn't you? Yeah, I really did. Um, I loved it, and and we worked all the time. And you know, times have changed. Uh, when when my brother and I were in high school, you know, we were our, our dad's you know main hired hands, um, uh, and 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 did a lot of the work and, and we really had the benefit, the blessing of just being a big part of what happened on the farm. And so we, we kind of gained that responsibility uh, part pretty early. And, um, and I think that's a, that's something I think that unfortunately in some cases we're missing that a little bit now. Um, you know, as my kids grew up, farms are, are bigger and more technological and more expensive. And there seems to be more liability and, uh, it's a little bit harder. Some families still do a good job of, of doing it, but it's a little bit harder to get those kids really engaged um, at that young age and 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 uh, get them really feeling like they're part of the farm, like I had the opportunity to be. Don, you you look at your family's website and the, real quick, it it screams family farm louder than any other farm website I think I've ever seen, and that is absolutely awesome. Um, you've kind of touched yeah. on the, on the, on the family aspects of things. Tell us a little bit about the farm and, uh, and what y'all, what y'all do there on a day, day-to-day basis. Well, my dad is 82 years old now and, uh, but he doesn't, uh, want to quit coming out to the farm. So he still comes out and, and, uh, and just real quick, uh, kind of follow up on, on, on his story that he was a business major and he really enjoys the book work. He really enjoys uh, managing the checkbook and, and kind of keeping the cash flow at his fingertips and, and, uh, which is a great thing. And as he's gotten older, you know, it seems like a lot of older farmers say, well, just put me in a tractor and let me drive something or, you know, do something like that. He's kind of the opposite. He'd really rather just kind of stay in the office and, uh, and keep, uh, keep his, 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 uh, eye on, eye on the management. So that's been kind of neat. And then my brother and I are really the full partners as far as day-to-day operations. And if you had to put a title on each of us, I'm probably more the CEO and he's more the COO. And uh, he's the kind of guy that can get out there and, uh, and just, you know, hit something with a hammer and make it work. And, and, um, and he, he really manages the, the crew day-to-day and, um, and I do more of the office work. And I, it is a, a, a real blessing. Um, I think he and I would both say that I don't want to farm without him. And I don't think he wants to farm without me. Um, uh, we, we really just have one of those unique relationships where we complement each other pretty well and enjoy each other. And uh, so that's a that's a, a real blessing. Um, so he and I get along real well. We farm about 10,000 acres, um, corn, soybeans, and wheat. Um, not a lot of wheat, but it's more wheat than most people do um, in this area um, because uh, we really like it to be a part of the rotation and, and like like what it does for the for the for the ground, and um, uh, do a lot of specialty crops. We raise popcorn and waxy corn and amylose corn. We raise seed beans for Pioneer. Um, so we're really used to cleaning out combines and, and keeping things separate. And, and uh, we've got a really really good crew. Several guys have been with us a long time, and and uh, we really you know we just enjoy it. We try to try to do the extras um, that. Uh, make a premium. We don't like to grow any crop that doesn't raise a premium of some sort. So that's kind of our goal is to always have, have a premium um, on our crops. But uh, we, the main thing I guess I'd say is we do really enjoy the, the people, the family. My brother's got two boys that are farming with us now. 
and then I've got the four daughters that, that neither none of them are are, are actively farming um, with me, but um, but there still is a spot there. They all kind of know there's a a place in the future if they if they want to dive into the farm that they might be able to. Y'all y'all mainly raise corn and beans, right? Though it's it's more of that operation, yeah. or is it the main thing that that Indiana and this part of the world would be would be uh, corn and soybeans and and um, the difference that we would have is just that, that we try to concentrate a little bit more on the specialty types of corn and specialty types of soybeans and um, and get a little okay. in there too. So I have some friends up in the I state. Well, I don't know if I'd call them friends, more like acquaintances, but uh their their motto is is, is corn beans Miami. <laughs> is that a, is that a real thing uh in your area or is that just something they like to tease me with? I think it's more of a teasing thing. I mean, there definitely is there is some of that, um, but uh, but it's not. Uh, it's, it's definitely not a, a majority of people shoot for the Miami part, especially. And uh, it, it is uh, there. You know, it is interesting how you kind of choose to to operate, and and sometimes you do wonder. Um, you know, there are some guys that do a great job managing their farms, and. Uh, and they've learned real well what they can handle and what they can do. Um, and the seasons are hard and they work hard. And then they're, they're able to, to kind of take a break um, a little bit in the wintertime. And it seems like that more often than not has something to do with how long the land's been in the family, um, how much of it's paid for, um, and, and just mm-hmm. kind of a lifestyle choice where uh, it seems like the farms that are growing and, and uh, uh, really trying to maybe hit that next level uh, for whatever reason uh, you know, there just doesn't seem to be a downtime. Uh, we we do a lot of trucking uh, in the winter time and a lot of shop work, and um, uh, there's just always something to do. And um, we we really keep we keep about ten guys full time year round, and uh, so it's kind of hard for me to imagine being able to just take off for a while in the winter time. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. So let's let's move on real quick. The next question is your biggest challenges on the farm. Now I know 2019, uh, pretty much nationwide, was not too easy on the farmers over everywhere. Uh, but what what are some challenges that y'all run in with with doing your specialty crops? I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, the specialty crops just take a lot of attention to detail, and that is a big challenge. Um, we get into this time of year and we plant about eight or nine different soybean varieties for seed. And now we have, we usually have four or five different herbicide platforms. You know, they're somewhere involved in those beans, whether Liberty, Liberty beans or extend beans or enlist beans or, or a straight roundup or they're plenished beans or they're non-GMO beans. Um, things like we've always got a little bit of everything. So, just keeping track of, of that and making sure that we treat everything properly, um, don't kill kill the beans, and um, uh, and and then and then that leads right into the to the fall and and just a lot of again attention to detail whether we're switching from waxy corn to popcorn, um, back to non-GMO corn. Um, we're always cleaning equipment. We're always cleaning the grain systems, cleaning trucks, um, and uh, just just. There's never a day that seems like you can put it on autopilot. They're just uh, most days you have to just kind of keep keep your eye on the details. Mm-hmm. So, just simply out of curiosity, what kind of numbers are you looking at for different varieties of 
of crops that y'all raise on a given year, if I might ask that. Um, so you mean diff the different varieties? Uh, of like, beans, say, we would have corn. Yeah, we'll have. Um, yeah, we'll have. Like, say, we'll have usually eight different seed bean varieties. So mm -hmm. somewhere anywhere from a 250 acre block to a 500 acre block. Um, and then so we'll have those, and then we'll then this year we've got non-GMO beans that are raised for Cargill that have to be kept separate, and we've got Plenish beans, which is a Pioneer uh, bean for raised for the oil, and it goes to ADM, so it has to be separate. And so there's um, so there's a there's ten different bean varieties, and all of them have to be um, kept separate. And we do have a few commercial beans this year, and then we've got. Uh, Waxy corn on the corn side, which waxy corn is a, is, a, is a corn that's used for making cornstarch mostly, and then some indu other industrial purposes. And it goes here in Indianapolis. It has it's all non-GMO, has to be kept um, uh, identity preserved. And then uh, we've got amylose corn, which is another uh, type of specialty starch corn that, that also goes to the same place for processing. And then we've got popcorn. So we've got three, mm -hmm. three different corn varieties that all have to be separate. And we've got 10 different soybean varieties. And then we're raising wheat. We've got foundation seed wheat. We've got five different varieties of foundation seed wheat. And, and then one uh, variety of pioneer seed wheat. So everything we do um, is, is, is separate and identity preserved. Mm -hmm. So I can't even keep track on my fields of, of three different varieties of wheat that I'm just doing for a trial. <laughs> How do you keep track of everything on on y'all's y'all's farm? I'm I'm super curious. Do y'all use technology or is yeah. it all paper? I mean, if yeah. you've got ten employees, yeah. you better make sure that they uh, know right. what's what, right? Right, right. We've got a lot of spreadsheets, and um, so mm -hmm. we're, we 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 look at spreadsheets an awful lot. And it is interesting. People are always the key, and it really is something when you've got some guys who've been with you a long time they're used to what they have to do. And so, you know, our truck drivers don't just assume that they can go to the bin and, and, and fill up. They, they're always asking about if they need to clean out they, and they get, they just get used to it. So that's, that's really part of it is that if, if you have longevity of people um, in our operation, it really helps because everybody kind of understands that you can't just assume that something's right. And um, so it takes us a little extra time um, uh, to make those switches. But, so it's, it's, it's really that. It's a lot of off-season planning. And, again, that gets back to that. What do you do in the wintertime? Well, we spend a lot of time in the wintertime, you know, preparing for the spring and with a lot of spreadsheets. And I'm, we're really interested in going to something like uh, Granular or one of the, you know, the new management-type software packages. I think that's in our future uh, one way or another. Um, but mm -hmm. we just haven't been able to justify the cost yet. It's uh, pretty expensive. And, they're really just they're they're really nice spreadsheets is what they are. So if you're pretty good at running spreadsheets, and my brother's boys uh, just got out of Purdue in the last few years, and, and uh, they're pretty good. They've they've upped our game on our ability to to uh, build spreadsheets and do some things like that. So uh, that's mm -hmm. really that's really been a help. So I'm I'm gonna that is super interesting. I I can't even wrap my mind about it. We were we raised two crops. Don, and that's it. And we can't even keep track of that sometimes. Uh, that just, well, see, that just at, blows my I, mind away. So much of it, though, is what you're used to. I, I look at I look at other farms, too, though. I think about the produce farms and the, 
the different, you know, people that raise only raise cantaloupes and we raise, you know, watermelons and raise. And, and it is interesting because I, I look at, you know, we're all the same way. We look at something that we're not used to and we think, I can't get my head around that. And I'm sure there's things mm-hmm. about the operation that I can't get my head around here. But that's just, that's the neat thing about agriculture. We're all, we're all specialists in our own little areas. And uh, uh, I think that's probably what makes agriculture pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Don, what what made us kind of reach out to your farm and and everything else is is you've got quite the fame going on 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 Facebook. Uh, you you last year, like I've previously stated, was pretty tough for for farmers all around. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those weird weird years that you got more rain than you got sunshine. It seemed like and. Uh, May 17th, 2019, you sat down in a lawn chair in front of y'all's planter, and you just gave a little speech, and uh, that's nearly 170,000 views uh, right now. Uh, What inspired you to do that? (laughs) Well, a young lady named Audrey Luce at the time was was an intern with us, and uh, she's just a longtime family friend, daughter of a family friend, but she was working for us and, and she's really the one that, you know, said, Don, you need to do some some uh, videos and we'll put them on Facebook and and honestly I, I knew we've all heard uh, our whole lives as people in agriculture that we need to be advocating or advocating uh, for agriculture and, and I've always bought into that. I've always known that's true, but I really didn't understand uh, the power of social media at all at that time. I still don't have a great grasp of it, but but I did not understand it, and uh, that was actually the, the third video that I'd ever done in my life, and and uh, it really was just a timing thing. I think God just opened a door there. We have two goals. If we're going to do anything online, the two goals we have is to – it started out – one is to encourage other farmers, and, and at that time, we all kind of needed that. At that time, it was a discouraging time, and uh, and so that was the main goal of that. So, so encouraging other farmers and then educating the non-farm uh, public about agriculture. So anytime we do something online, uh, it need, it's one of those two things. And hopefully maybe it's even a combination uh, of those two things. So, um, so anyway, that's, that, that, that little speech was, a, uh, it was just something that popped in my head. I don't know why I grabbed the lawn chair and threw it out there. It was it was a one take thing. It was it was just it was just what was on my mind and my heart at that time, and um, yeah, it just it just clicked. And um, and I still get lots and lots of people that I see, and, and everybody brings that same video back up. I don't know. If, I've done a lot of videos since then. I know we still get a lot of, of views, but there's been nothing like that one. And uh, so once that happened, then you have these people that are following you, and I don't even know what to do with that. You know, I'm, I'm just a, a farmer thinking, what do I do now? And and, uh, and and so I thought, well, I guess we just keep doing it. And and uh, so we just tried to uh, keep going two times a week. We'd, we'd just do a video about whatever was happening on the farm, and, and Audrey would do some of them, and she was really, really a, a great at that as well, just a young person that was, that was too enthusiastic about agriculture. And and um, it was a good combination of the two of us. And she's moved on to more of a full-time career now, and and it's not with us. But um, uh, but we've kept kept uh, kept doing it with those two goals to encourage farmers and and educate the non-farm public. Don, as we as we switch gears here, I want to I want to bring back up your your latest video where you touch on the 
the ever so popular current or current event of social distancing, um, a very great um, <laughs> representation using some pipe and some corn seed in your in your planter behind you. Um, mm-hmm. we, we haven't mentioned it yet, but you sit on the uh, the county council there um, in in Boone County, um, Indiana. Tell us right. a bit about that role and and um, how you got involved in that aspect of your life. Yeah, well, that part. Um... I think it's interesting, for one thing, again, you go back to agricultural roots. People in agriculture, for whatever reason, tend to be uh, leaders. They tend to be people that, that don't mind stepping up, and I think that's because we grew up doing 4-H, we grew up doing FFA, and we, we grew up being trained to do those things. So sometimes the leadership part um, just kind of comes somewhat naturally, and, um, um, and, and again, maybe sometimes a little bit by accident, but on our county council, we have there's seven members of the county council here in uh, Boone County, and the, and our county council is the budget uh, team uh, for the council. You've got three commissioners that are more the administrative arm or the legislative, well, I guess you call them legislative arm, and they they really make the big decisions, and they're a little more uh, full time management type work, where the council um, is the budget arm, and um, so that's what I'm on, and uh, uh, we had a, a county council uh, member that became a state senator in the middle of the term for somebody else. So I got put on uh, by uh, by a vote from our uh, precinct committee chair people. And, and so I'm running for county council now, uh, and for the very first time. I've never run for, ele- for election before, um, but I have been on the council, so it's kind of an odd. I'm an incumbent, but I've never run before. So I'm kind of getting my feet wet on what an election's about and, um, and uh, how that works, and it's an interesting process. Of course, all this started, you know, about the time that we were really starting to ramp up towards this election was when the uh, coronavirus started, and so that has really just cast a shadow on everything, and um, um, and and so honestly, the election is hard for me to even think about. I'm not I'm not terribly worried about campaigning right now. Um, I just I don't think anybody I don't think anybody would appreciate it if you were. You know, it's a, it's just a time that we need to be kind of buckled down and and taking things serious. And, and, uh, I tell you the the being on the budget side of, of any, uh, government entity right now, um, is just, it is going to be a huge challenge. And, uh, uh so we're really already working at trying to figure out uh, what we have this year that, to make next year's budget more manageable. Um, I, it is, it's going to be an extreme situation, uh, to think about budgeting, next year uh, I just some of the estimates we're seeing as far as uh, loss of revenue um, is just incredible and, and I'm not telling anybody anything new it's, it's the way it is across the whole country um, in a lot of ways probably mm-hmm. across the whole world and um, yeah so uh, there's there's going to be some interesting decisions that have to be made uh, and uh, I'm not looking forward to that um, and yet in some ways, you know, you kind of want to get started down that path and let's see how bad this really is and, and get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's tough. Uh, I know of, of some farmers that, uh, recently chopped off about 2000 acres of their farm just cause you know, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't meet the rent, uh, so to right. speak. And that's uh, just, that's just one of those things that if you got to tighten up, but <laughs> Shoot, we've been tightening the belt for the past four years. It seems like, you know, just right. it is it is what it is. And I can't imagine being up in the high states with all that because y'all have a lot more 
it's a way different way of farming. Uh, Don, well, on the farming it, side, it, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, the, the, the farming side, like you say, we've been fighting this for four or five years, and mm-hmm. we're somewhat used to it. I mean, especially after we went through last year, um, you know, we're used to planting a crop and not knowing for sure if we have enough money to pay the bills. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's not that it's, it's not that it's a position you want to be in, but we're kind of used to it. And the interesting thing is the rest of the world right now is kind of seeing a little bit what it's like sometimes to be a farmer. And that's, I don't mean that to be, to oversimplify it or say we, we've always got something like a coronavirus going on, but, but, but the, the stress level of getting the, of the financial side of the farm is really hard right now, but it's really not so different for us because of the virus. Mm-hmm. Now everybody else, because of the virus, everybody else is in the same boat. You know, everybody else is, the whole world is kind of looking at things kind of like farmers sometimes have to look at it where everything's out of your control and uh, you just do the best you can do and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, you know, God, <laughs> I, I give God a lot of credit for working, working things out when we, um, when we screw it up. And I'm sure he's going to um, in this case, too. Yes, sir. I agree. And and that brings me to the next point is, uh, you know, even if you spend a little time on any of y'all's social media platforms, there's there's no shine away of, of, of y'all's faith. Uh, it's, it's basically faith family farming. That's kind of been a trend mm-hmm. for uh, many of our episodes here is it just, you know, faith uh, family farming. It, it's it's uh, great to see that. It really is. But uh, tell us a little bit about Agri stewards, Don. Yeah, yeah. My Agri stewards has got a neat um, story, a neat history. It's a nonprofit that uh, that teaches uh, agriculture really all over the world. We've been in I don't know how many different seventeen or eighteen different countries now, and and um, uh, teach subsistence uh, uh, farming. Uh, and we we teach a curriculum called Farming God's Way that came out of South Africa, and. Um, uh, it's really just, I mean, I could, I, I don't have time to tell you all the stories uh, about it, but, how, but the, the interesting story I think I, I want to share is my cousin came to work for us back in 2010 uh, when the economy was bad in his job. So he came to work part-time on our farm. He asked us if we'd ever done a Bible study at the farm. And we said, well, we've thought about it. We've never done it. And he said, okay, 6.30 Monday morning, I'll lead it. And um so we started having a Bible study Monday mornings at the farm. Well, that fall, another fellow came to work for us as a part-time job because he wanted to go on the mission field. And he was just trying to figure out where uh, God was going to put him on the mission field, needed something to put food on the table for a while while he did that. So he came to work on the farm, joined our Bible study. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, um, it, in some of his trips that he, was, that he already had scheduled and was taken, he realized how big of a need there was for help in the agricultural world and um and 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 how uh, that was such a great tie-in agriculture and the gospel are basically intertwined and they just really really work well together and and uh so so through that agri stewards was started and it's been a, an incredible journey the thing i want to go back to though is my cousin that came to work for us when he said you guys ever want to do a Bible study? And we said, yeah. And he said, 6.30 Monday morning, I'll lead it. I am convinced that if he hadn't done that, that when Brian Smith had came along later um, and, and wanted to think about agriculture and missions, we would not have been in the mindset to think, you know what, we could do this off the farm. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. but because, you know, so I, I guess I just, my encouragement is sometimes little things, if you, if you're prompted and I, and I'll just tell everybody that my, my cousin's the one that started Agri-Stewards because he started a Bible study. And because he started a mm-hmm. Bible study, we were a little bit more intertwined with our faith and our farming, you know, together. And, and so we were ready when an opportunity came up and, and, uh, and so, and it wasn't us. It was just God putting it together. There was no strategy to start Agri-Stewards, but, um, mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a great blessing. We've been able to train a lot of missionaries in the, in the United States, but then go overseas and uh, train train people, and then we're doing quite a bit in the uh, in the country now too. Uh, just there's so much organ gardening going on. There's just a lot of ways to intertwine the gospel with teaching about agriculture. Right. So I'm I'm blown away, Don. Uh, you know how God works in mysterious ways. Uh, I have participated in farming God's way. Uh, not only in just South Africa, but uh, the state inside out South Africa, which is called the Sutu. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know where that is or not, but uh, I have mm-hmm. participated in and in, in showing uh, them how to grow corn uh, the God's way and and yeah. the the biblical reasons behind what we do versus what they do. And I, I mean, it's just it amazes me that you were talking about it and. All of a sudden, it just brings back a lot of memories. I I, I love that. Yeah, uh, I yeah. love it. So, yeah, Grant, y- Grant y- Dryden is the guy that, that leads out in South Africa. Grant Dryden that does the videos, and, and he's he comes here. He this will be his fourth summer to come here and do a training here, and he does it on our farm, mm-hmm. and, and he's become become you know just a very good friend of our of our families, and and in fact we're, we're we've been talking back and forth. They're they're fighting the COVID nineteen as well, and and uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how things work together. Right. It, it is. Um, tell us a little more about, I believe you went to, did some training in Texas. Is that right? Or you're looking at doing some training in Texas? Well, we did. Brian Smith, who leads our agriculture, went to Texas and did a training. Um, and I don't, did a, did a farming God's way training with a, a group um, uh, there in Texas. That one of them had come up to our training last summer um mm-hmm. fellow by the name of uh Sammy Robinson and um I don't know uh, and I don't know where he's at exactly um there and, and um uh and, and, and how it might fit in where you guys are but 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 that was it. We had a connection from him and he said, Hey I've got some guys at my church and I think I can put together a pretty good group if you'd come and do a training there. So Brian went down and that was actually a week or two before everything kind of broke loose with the virus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there was, we lost quite a few people. I think there were supposed to be 30 or 40 guys. And I think there was 10 or 15 maybe, but, um, but anyway, yeah, we have been in, 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 in Texas to do a training. I gotcha. say we pretty loosely. Brian, Brian, there's, I, I go to Haiti. Um, Haiti's my spot. It's kind of good to go back to one spot and because you've got mm-hmm. relationships with people. So, so I've gone to Haiti uh, about 12 times and, um, um, and, 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 that's kind of the way we like to do it is we don't really like to bounce around too many places. You like to have a relationship um, somewhere and then kind of keep the same people working with the same people as much as you can. That's why it's such a beautiful thing to get more people involved, do these trainings in the United States because everybody else then can, can really uh, multiply that effort of of creating those relationships. Right. Don, I think it'd be, and I've, I've said this before on podcast, I think it'd be, it'd be unfair to, to pick your favorite, favorite trip or your favorite experience down there but can you share with us one of your most memorable 
um, experiences in Haiti working with those those individuals learning how to farm? Well, I'm going to switch it up on that because I have been to Kenya. And, Even and better. One thing, that's really, yeah, one thing that's really cool about going to like a place like Kenya is that you, you share the language. Um, it's, you know, the, the hardest thing, I, I have some really good relationships in Haiti, but it's always a challenge because I, I've not, I've not learned the language. And, and so that's a challenge. My, I can hand down my most memorable time was um, getting to spend a uh, hour and a half in a classroom of 16 and 17 year old girls. Um, that, that, and, and all I did was had nothing to do with agriculture. I've got four daughters and, um, and, I walked into that room and I basically said they were they were, they all they were all basically orphans, and um, and I basically said okay, act like I'm your dad, and ask me any question you want to ask me, and um, and for an hour and a half these 16 and 17 year old girls in in Kenya just peppered me with all sorts of questions and and they wrote some questions out because they didn't want to say them and we talked about everything or we talked about everything you can imagine and um. And of course, I didn't have all the answers, but I, but I, all I did was kept trying to see them in the eye, through the eyes, uh, looking at my girls, looking at my daughters. If you're my daughter, here's what I would, how I would answer that question. And um, so, anyway, it, yeah, hands down, um, it was the most special time I've ever had um, interacting with anybody from another country and, and feeling like, uh, you know, the connection was, was valuable um, both ways. Mm-hmm. So, Tell us a little bit about how uh, faith is is helpful on the farm. Uh, me personally, I I grew up in a in a Christian home. Uh, I was actually homeschooled too. That helped a lot. And uh, I I know for a fact that most of the years without without the faith, uh, lots of things would have been different. And and who knows what could have happened. But tell us a little about about your your faith and how it uh, is, is helpful on the farm. If that that's not the right wording, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it, I think, yeah, I, I've been fortunate to grow up in a Christian home and, and so faith has always been a part of it. And, um, but it's, but it's grown over the years and, um, my reliance on, on the Lord has grown. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick, a real quick story that has to do, you know, I think a lot of us are growing right now, um, through this, the virus and, and just all the you know, uncertainty. And, uh, my wife and I went on a, a marriage retreat uh, to Colorado uh, two or three months ago, and and for some reason I I, I wrote down in my I, I like to journal and I wrote down in my journal I'm reading Psalm 27, and and I didn't know why I don't even remember reading that when I was there but there a few weeks ago when I was just reading thinking about um, this virus and all the uncertainty I saw that but I read Psalm 27 so you know anybody that wants to go read Psalm 27 and but at the end of it, it's kind of become my theme for everything to do with this virus right now. And honestly, I think it's a great theme for farming. Um, Psalm 27 is starting in verse 13. It says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I just think, you know, right now we're all waiting. We're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for this to be over. Um, but we're also looking for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, you know, so we're looking for the good things that are happening and then we're hoping to make some of those good things happen, um, you know, while we're waiting. 
And while we're waiting, we're being strong and courageous and we're not, and we're taking heart. And I think that's just a theme for agriculture. I mean, we, we do, you know, we wait on the Lord all the time, every, every crop year, that's what we do. And, uh, and sometimes it's not easy. Like 2019 was not easy and not fun. Um, but you learn to have that reliance on the Lord that as you wait, you can have courage and you can take heart. And, um, uh, so that's just become, I've got it outlined in my Bible now. It says COVID-19 theme verses. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, and, and I just think, yeah, so I, I hope I don't, yeah, I think one of the lessons too that we're all learning right now is I think there's really good things that we're, that we're doing and we're learning. And I don't, we don't want to go back to just being so busy that we forget about it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, I've, I've really, um, spent more time studying and, and uh, thinking and, and relying. And uh, I don't want to go back when this is over. Uh, I want to keep a part of that as, as, as what I do every day. Wow. Uh, I love it. Uh, you, you've gotten me into wanting to read Psalms again, because uh, <laughs> I have definitely not remembered that those verses. And man, those, those are right on. Uh, yeah. Don, I want to thank you for sharing your faith. That's something that not a whole lot of people really like to openly do. And, and I, I totally respect you for that. I, I want to thank you for that. Uh, we're going to move on uh, to, a, to a more fun segment. I guess, uh, mm-hmm. and, and have a little fun here and, uh, we'll, we'll continue, uh, getting in with you. So Wade, do you want to lead off? Absolutely. Don, this is our rapid fire segment of the podcast here. We're going to ask you a couple questions. Um, looking at the okay. ones we've got for you, most of them are pretty, pretty laid back. Not, not a lot of thought going into them. Okay. Um, answer what you <laughs> okay. answer, what your heart and mind tell you. Uh, first question we've got okay. for you. Um, if you stop at a gas station for a snack, uh, what are you walking out with? Beef stick, yep. Uh, beef stick, or, or maybe, or maybe a, uh, or beef jerky, some sort of, some sort of meat that looks really old. But it probably tastes delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow! Right on. All right, my turn. Uh, Don, if you could have any other job, what would it be? That's a great question. I keep. Mm. Um. I would, I would love, to, I would, I would love to be. I, I still want to be involved in agriculture. I would love to be um, involved, uh, whether it was a, a farm bureau type position or a state mm-hmm. agriculture type position, but something where you can promote agriculture. Um, if I want to be a farmer, I still want to be involved in ag. So, so I guess that would be it. Uh, next question. I wish I could come. I wish I could come to something really funny, but I nothing pops in my mind. <laughs> that is that is okay. Uh, next question we've got for you. What is your what is your favorite app that you have on your phone right now? I'm, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a very techie guy with this whole social media. Thing. <laughs> uh, but um, my favorite app. Uh, well, right now it's weather. It's boring. It's weather. And right now it's the, it's my weather.com app. That's why I look at it. Uh, all the time right now, so that's what I look at most. Um, weather.com. Dan, how about you? How about you? What's your favorite uh, app right now? Uh, uh it, it's a tie. Uh, the the main one is the texting app because I text my uh, sweet girlfriend all the time. But also, I probably am on Instagram more than 
I should probably be. So there's there's mine. What what about you, Wade? I'm a, I'm a Twitter junkie, so I'm a, I spend quite a bit of time on Twitter, especially now that we're we're coked up at home. <laughs> right on. Uh, I, I have to ask this, Don. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a John Deere man. Uh, we've been using John mm-hmm. Deere for quite a while, and I've noticed that mm-hmm. y'all read that run that red stuff, and I can't see either mm-hmm. way if if it works or not. I'm sure it does because y'all wouldn't be running it if it didn't. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I had to throw in a few jabs there. My apologies. <laughs> but uh, t- tell me your favorite piece of equipment on the farm. What would it be? Mm, my favorite piece of equipment is the, our 2011 case 8120 combine because i've driven it ever since it was new and um so that's my favorite and i'm 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 at home in the fall um in a combine and uh, so i i love that Um, we have got a tremendous mix of equipment we we've got some john deere planters but we can't afford anything else john deere and then uh (laughs) uh, we've got cat tractors and uh, case tractors and we've got a haggy sprayer and a case sprayer and and uh so we we've got a variety of things, but, but I I love I love the old eighty one twenty case IH combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go a little off script here. I'm having okay this with a uh, way, but I'm going for it. Uh, commodity prices versus machinery vice prices. Uh, John Deere came out with uh, an all tracked front wheel assist tractor a while back, and mm-hmm. rumor is it's gonna be about half a million dollars and uh, I, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on uh, how how you think in the future prices on equipment might change. Do you think that they're just going to continue driving up, or do you think at some point, uh, Lord willing, maybe some farmers will just say that enough is enough and uh, hopefully back down prices on equipment? Right. Well, I don't see how. I mean, something's going to have to change in the environment. I- I look at that tractor as an example. I, I like the layout of that tractor, and I think I think it's a great idea. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that that right now very few people can afford it, and so it, I mean the economy is going to drive it like everything else. And um, uh, until we have some uh, some change uh, in this, I don't see um, I don't see uh, a lot of uh, money going into the to new equipment like like that. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're a little bit I don't know if we're unique or not, but we definitely keep equipment a long time on our farm. And, um, we uh, we run things uh, longer than 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 most do. We've got a, a planter tractor that's got eleven thousand hours on it, and then um, we wow. keep um, working. So we we don't uh, we're we're not quite the guys to talk about on the on the on the buying the new equipment, but. Um, yeah, something's going to have to change in this commodity world um, uh, to justify uh, half a million dollars for a tractor that um, doesn't do anything different than, than a tractor that's worth 50000 So <laughs> I agree. I agree. Oh, wow. We, I, I like that answer. We like to say, we, we, we like to say that, that, that there are certain tractors that are designed to go from one end of the field to the other, turn around, and come back. And that, those are the <laughs> ones that we have. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's what we run on our farm, too. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Don, I'm, I'm just blown away. You, you've, this has been a great episode of being able to just learn uh, so many different things. Uh, we, we've had a few guys on here before that have raised uh, 
specialty crops like seed wheat and stuff but uh it's it's interesting to learn the the bean side of it and the corn side and i wanted to touch on popcorn but i think we're running out of time sadly but uh if if you wouldn't mind wrapping up i I don't you've stated already that you're not much for technology but i'm sure our listeners would like to give you a follow or 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 watch the videos that we've talked about uh would you mind just plugging in some of the social media uh that y'all have right and i think yeah and don't take don't don't take it wrong when I say I'm not so much on the on the on the technology. I I have really learned to appreciate the social media um, side of it, and and I do think when you think about advocating, um, it's just been a, a great way uh, to do that. And yeah, I'd love Instagram. We're at, at Lamb underscore Farms, and, and then at Twitter we're at Lamb underscore Farms, and then Facebook is just Lamb Farms Inc. And um, so. Uh, yeah, I love uh, love to have as many uh, people jump on and follow as as, as possible, and and uh, I'm not I'm not as good as I should be at at uh, at, uh, at, at interacting back because I <laughs> that's the part of it where I fall <laughs> down uh, is uh, is taking the time to to to, to spend much time on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'd love to love to have anybody that would like to uh, give us a follow. And anybody mm-hmm. looking for those links, they'll be in the show notes. Um, Dan, one more question. Close it out for us. Uh, Don, just for our listeners, uh, would, would you leave some final thoughts about Agri Stewards? I'm really curious about uh, everything that goes on there, and I might actually have to talk to you afterwards about it. I'm, I'm very interested in it. Yeah. But if, if they wanted to somehow get involved, how, how could they do that? Yeah. Best way to do it is just to get online and, and look up Agri Stewards and then uh, – and, and then the, all the contact information there is to call and, and, and find out when trips are. And, and there's supposed to be a trip right now in, into uh, Western Africa, and it's not happening, obviously. Um, but there's mm-hmm. trips that go on throughout the year. And, uh, uh, you know, the really the, the interesting thing about it, as I said before, agriculture and the gospel intertwine very well. But on the, just on the agriculture side, knowledge is what most of the world is missing. And um, you don't have to change the way everything about the way they they raise crops. You just have to teach them how to take care of the soil, uh, which is exactly what we're all trying to do. It doesn't matter if you're in Indiana um, trying to raise 230 bushel corn instead of 210 bushel corn, or you're in Africa trying to go from 30 to 100. Um, the, mm-hmm. the the thought process is the same, and so um, it's exciting when you can. Uh, all you have to do is give somebody some knowledge, and you can really increase increase their their production. Which in their in their lives, that's a huge improvement in their life. Um, and uh, uh, so that's the exciting thing about agristerns is that uh, knowledge is something God's given us, and it's pretty easy to share once you uh, make the commitment to do that. So um, uh, yeah, get on agristerns dot uh, org and and uh, contact us, and we'd love to get people involved. Right. I, I sure appreciate it. Uh, Don, I, I want to thank you for being on our show. Uh, I've learned a lot, and, I, and I've I've got a better knowledge about things. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being on our show, and uh, I hope that our listeners will, will look up you, look you up on social media and, and look on to Agri Stewards as well. Uh, thank you for being on our show. Wade, you got anything to say? 
Uh, Don, just wanted to reiterate what Dan said. We appreciate you coming on. Dan, we'll visit with you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.